So a real estate is a long game. Very few people in any industry, let alone real estate, get rich quick. It's not what the internet says. I know that's not what the internet says, but this is real life. <laughs> Another episode from the mailbag. The mailbag. I like it. I think that's where we'll start calling this yeah. episode. Um, all right. So today's question essentially comes uh, from another friend of ours, um, Kindlin. Shout out to Kindlin. Her and her husband bought their first rental property here in town. Congratulations. Um, but she had questions about LLCs. Yep. Which is something that, I mean, if you search online, everybody and their brothers thinks about this when... As soon as they go to buy a property, all of a sudden they want to, you know, know what kind of LLC to set up. And there's just a million questions that follow that. So um, what I'd like to do is just dig into it and, you know, put our two cents on it. I guess the first thing we should we should throw out there is a disclaimer. <laughs> we are not attorneys. Right. Attorneys or CPAs, you should, you know, you should obviously consult with somebody local you trust. and. Your legal and tax professionals. There you go. <laughs> um, all right, so let's just start with the basics, right? What What is an LLC? Sure. It's a limited liability company, and it is a business structure that's set up, uh, I mean, really for lots of different types of businesses, um, but people like to use them for the purchase of real estate in order, they think, to shield themselves from liability. Hence, why they would use a limited liability company. Um, and this is opposed to other types of uh, legal entities, right? S, S corporation, C corporation. Right. So you're, you're not really going to own real estate in those types of corporations. Why is that, Dina? Uh, I don't know. I imagine that other types of uh, corporate entities are set up for different types of businesses and a different type of income structure. But that's why you talk to your attorney. <laughs> right. Uh, so I guess the best way to maybe tackle this is just, you know, the pros and cons bucket, right? So, I mean, just high level at first, what do you think are some of the obvious advantages to somebody creating an LLC and starting to acquire properties within that? business entity. Sure. Well, and I've, I've bought properties in my personal name, bought known properties personally, and I have bought known properties in multiple different LLCs, uh, at least three, maybe four. Um, so I have, I've gone the LLC route and I went the LLC route. The reason that most people go the LLC route is because they wanted what they perceive to be protection from liability. The idea is if you are owning rental property, you are opening yourself up to being sued by your tenants and you want to protect your personal assets by having your real estate assets in the LLC. Why do you, sorry, why do you think people automatically think about, like it's the first thing that people think about as soon as I'm going to go buy this property. Oh, I need to create a company to put around. Sure. It. Well, I mean, we live in an extremely litigious society. You know, I mean, people drop hot cups of coffee on their lap and they sue McDonald's. You know, it. we are just a very litigious society. So I think it's a natural reaction to uh, to not just a perceived, but a real risk, a real risk. So 
So, okay, so there's um, essentially protecting your assets, right? Somebody, you own a rental, somebody, something happens for whatever reason, they come after you. And the thought is that they could take whatever assets you have, right? So the, the LLC provides some level of a shield. So that's one advantage. What are some others? Uh, it provides a nominal level of privacy so that if you own property in XYZ LLC and someone wants to find out what properties you own uh, and they go to the property purchase website and they put in your name, your name's not going to come up or more likely for most people, it'll only come up for your primary residence. So it gives a little bit of privacy. Now, with enough legwork, you can figure out, you know, who owns a company and, and all you have to do is go to the Division of Corporations on the state uh, website and go and look at the uh, officers and the corporate reports and all that information is there. But you have to at least know the name of the LLC first to be able to do that. So it provides a little bit of privacy. How about from... Speaking of privacy, like from a from a banking perspective, you know, um, like when they run credit for when when they run your background and stuff for a loan, I guess how does it impact financing? Let's talk about that. Right. So having properties held in LLCs, um, in my estimation, negatively impacts financing, and it does so because when your property is owned in an LLC, you cannot purchase or, re or refinance that property um, with a conventional or <laughs> fell into that trap with a residential mortgage, right? So with a residential mortgage, whether that's uh, buying an owner-occupied multifamily uh, or a traditional multifamily or a single family property, Whatever property that is one to four units that you're buying, uh, residential real estate is defined as one to four units. So if you're buying a one to four unit property and you do not exceed the uh, loan limit threshold, so the number of properties, number of properties that you finance, the number of loans that you have, you can get a very low interest rate, 30 year fixed loan, usually a conventional loan. The FHA loan is uh, limited for owner occupants. So that's really great. You've got a long time horizon over which to amortize those payments. And you've got a very low rate, which you know is not going to rise. If you own property in the company, that option is not available to you. So then you're into a commercial financing. It may be a residential property that you're buying, one to four units. But because it's owned in an LLC, because it's owned by a company, you're now getting business or commercial financing. That commercial financing is usually going to be somewhere between a 15 to 20 year amortization with a much shorter balloon with a higher interest rate, which is not fixed. Right. Now, if you did that eight, 10 years ago, and I have a client who actually did this, and we had a conversation probably five or six years ago, and I was really concerned about rising interest rates, right? Government debt was ballooning, and I thought, and we're going to hit inflation, interest rates are going to rise. And I cautioned him against buying so many properties in an LLC and doing all of these non-fixed rate or adjustable rate loans. And he said, Jason, don't worry about it. Interest rates aren't going to rise. They're not going anywhere. And he was right. 
Uh, interest rates tried to rise back in 2018, and they got up to about 5% on the residential side and quickly fell back down. And now the 30-year fixed rate conventional loan is like 3.375%. Um, so he, he wagered on interest rates staying low, staying perpetually low, and he won that bet. For the first time in history. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, so yeah, it's um, it. You could make the same gamble that he made and say, well, that adjustable rate is not going to rise, and you may win that bet like he won that bet. But he was making that bet ten years ago. You might be making it now, and whether or not that's going to be the case for the next fifteen or twenty years is a different what story. What was his? Uh, what was the starting rate? Was it lower than the residential rate? No, it would have been a little bit higher, but not significantly. So maybe a point higher. Had he already maxed out his uh, 10 residential loans that he could get? Um, do you remember? I'm trying to figure out why he would why he would want to do that, just to put it in LLC, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think the first few properties I helped him buy were in his personal name, but very quickly after that, he established the LLC. And I think it was probably even before the 10 property mark that he established the LLC. And he probably has 50-ish properties now, um, maybe even more than that, in the in the LLC. Okay, so financing would go probably on the, the disadvantaged side. Right. Yeah, and so not only we had talked about um, interest rate and terms, but also as far as down payment goes, you're most likely going to have a higher down payment requirement as well. So right now on a single family property, you could put down as little as 15% on a commercial loan. That's typically going to be 20 to 25 or even 30% for some banks. So you've got the higher chunk of money, the larger chunk of money out of pocket at the beginning. You've got a shorter amortization. Even if you, you bet that interest rates are going to stay low and that turns out to be the case, uh, you still have more money to put out of pocket and a shorter amortization, which means your payment's going to be higher, which means your cash flow is going to be lower. Now you may say, well, but I'm going to pay it off 15 or 10 or 15 years sooner. And that's a very good point. If you can make the numbers work and you can't always make the numbers. People work. aren't, people aren't serious with themselves when they say that. <laughs> like I hear, I hear stories all the time of, you know, people getting loans for, I'm going to pay this car off early. You know, mm -hmm. they never pay the car off early. Um, but okay, so that's that's financing. What other uh, advantages or disadvantages? So, uh, so one thing that comes to my mind as an advantage um, of putting it into an LLC from the get-go is it essentially forces you to think in business terms. Um, now, you don't have to you don't have to have an LLC to think in business terms. Um, but at least it, I think it starts to get the, the gears turning, you know, because all, all of a sudden you're thinking about these other things like, okay, where's my mail going to go? Where's, uh, you know, how are people get in touch with this business? Um, you know, do I need separate bookkeeping for this business? How am I going to deal with uh, receiving payments and managing tenant records, you know, financial records? What about the bank accounts? I mean, that's that's a, you know, if nothing else, it at least gets you to start thinking about those things. Um, but I think you could, you could argue that you don't really need an actual LLC to start doing those things. Right. 
but I think you are correct that it does help. But you're adding expense, you're adding a lot of layers um, to owning real estate that aren't necessarily needed. With LLC. Right. So you've got the creation of the entity. So you're going to have several hundred dollars tied up in paying an attorney to create the entity. Then you're going to have the filing fees to create it with the uh, division of corporations. So you're going to do that. And then you're going to have that annual filing fee every year, which is 100 to $200. So you've got is that, that extra is? cost. Yeah, it's 125 to 150 I think, to file every year to do that report. Um, you've got to do that. Uh, you've got the different bank accounts that you're setting up. You're creating a EIN with the IRS. It's just a level of added complexity that you now have to manage. You're probably filing a separate tax return. So you have additional money you're paying to your CPA to do that. So there, there are layers to it again, that are not necessarily needed. Now, if you're doing this as an individual, you should still have a separate bank account for your rental properties. Don't commingle that with your personal funds and your income that you're earning from your regular nine to five job, right? Keep all that separate, still have a rental account, but then have, you know, a monthly transfer of half of your anticipated cash flow that's going into your personal account or into your savings or into wherever, and then keep that, other account set up to where all your mortgages are getting paid out of there. Um, expenses, if you're managing them by yourself, are getting paid out of there, things like that. Yeah. I mean, you, you actually need all those other things that those business related things, you, you should go ahead and do those, um, even if you don't set up an actual business. Um, I mean, you've just you mentioned banking. I mean, even for, for us on the property management side, you know, you have to keep your security deposit in a different account. I mean, you can imagine, right, spending a tenant's security deposit and then not being able to give it back to them. <laughs> Don't Very do bad. that. Very bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, just you could even, I guess you don't have to get a like a property management software, uh, but you're going to need some way to manage records. Mm -hmm. Like this is our financial record with that tenant. I guess you could do that in Excel if you really wanted to. Um, I guess the point is, Think like a business. Um, so you mentioned cost and complexity. So that goes on disadvantage side. Uh, what else we got? Well, we've already talked about the advantages and it's really privacy and liability. Privacy and liability. Um, Which I will say, I think you can accomplish a similar thing that is liability protection um, with the right insurance. So again, we're not insurance professionals. Talk to your insurance professional. Um, but if you're, you know, being advised by your attorney, your CPA and your insurance professional, I think, especially when you're getting started, leverage the residential loans that are available to get started to maximize your cash flow, and then max out those 10 loans that you can have. Then start, once you get to that point, then start looking into the LLC because you've maxed out your your residential financing anyway. Now you have no other choice. Correct. And so at that point, start looking into the LLC. And you could even snowball your cash flow to start paying off some of the earlier properties to potentially free up residential loans to keep doing it. Um, but I know 
very wealthy people who own properties in their individual name, extremely wealthy real estate investors who own property in their individual name. Some of them own property in their individual name and also in LLCs. Um, but for a lot of those, the ones I can think of off the top of my head, the LLCs are always for partnerships. The stuff they own individually is, uh, is in their personal name. It's interesting. Yeah, I think, I guess my biggest beef with this kind of a question is, you know, people just tend to get wrapped around the axle of setting up this LLC and then they start going down this rabbit hole. And it's like, you know, especially if this is your first property, you're much better served doing other things to get off the ground. Like you're focused on this one thing. Yeah, it might be important, like if you're already a a wealthy person with ass, real assets that you need to protect. But if you're asking that question, then maybe, you know, I'm not sure if you're in that ballpark yet. Like you got you to be pretty far down the road um, to be thinking about that, in my opinion. And people people veer off on this question and then they make no progress on the stuff that actually makes them money in real estate. Yeah, and I, I mean, obviously, we're biased because we own a property management business. But I do think that for most uh, novice and newbie investors, they are best served by focusing on their primary vocation, where their main job is software engineer or doctor or attorney or whatever they're doing for a living, nurse, home builder, whatever you're doing, focus on excelling at that, focus on making a lot of money at that create the income that allows you to save in order to have down payments to buy real estate, then turn over the management, 90% of the headaches, actually 100% of the headaches really, for 10% of the income, turn that over to a property manager, allow them to steward your properties. And I'll remind everybody that at Holland and Picked, we look at managing your properties as a stewardship. Um, allow that property manager to steward your properties and you focus on what you do best, which is your main job, your primary vocation, make that money doing that, and then save up for the next down payment, and 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 build into your numbers the property management fee, but allow the property manager to steward your property to help you make wise investment decisions, and then to maximize your returns that way. Don't try and be a property manager when you're not a property manager, when you're a nurse or a doctor Why or do you think whatever your do profession that? is. Um, because they look at that 10% and it can look like a whole lot of money. Now, if you're renting a property for $1,000 a month to have $100 a month in, in, your, in, a, in a lot of people's minds come off the top, mm -hmm. oh man, 10%. That's a lot of money. You know, that's $1,200 a year. That's, you know, $36,000 over the next 30 years, whatever. Um, it, it can seem like a really big number, but either you're spending the time to manage the property or you're paying someone to manage the property. So it's your time or someone else's time. And if you've got all the time in the world, then maybe managing your own properties is right for you. But if you don't, if you're like us, 
you're really ramping up your career and you're in that those peak earning years, you know, early to mid 30s to mid 50s and you're in the thick of family life and you got young kids, then you probably don't have time for all that because you need to focus on your primary vocation and your family. You still need to focus on investing and building wealth and looking towards retirement and real estate's a wonderful vehicle for that. But you don't have the time to manage all those properties, especially if you get beyond one or two or three. If you get to four, six, eight, ten, twelve, that's going to eat you up. You might skirt by with one. With with my with my property, I skirted by for a long time. Now I have to deal with it. I like guess some point you got to deal with it. Right. I just kind of lucked up, got really great tenants who were long term with the first rental. That was just luck, you know. Like they stayed for four almost five years this is luck paid the rent um but now i gotta deal with like you know the the maintenance and at some point you gotta start uh managing the property and the tenants and all the stuff that comes along with it so yes you might be able to skirt by for a few years if you're lucky and not pay the 10 percent and go hey, i'm a great property manager but at some point you got to deal with it i feel like once you like if we didn't have a property management company and i was dealing with, you know, fixing the floor and all the stuff I'm doing now um, in that unit, I would quickly want to get a property management company after that. Because when you look at like the, you know, you, you ignore a $500 leak in your tub and it turns into 15000 that's a lot more than 10%. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Uh, you know, a, a little bit of a tangent there, but I think it's important for people to understand that you should probably just you should probably just factor in that cost up front before you buy the property. Make sure that you can cash flow what you need to so you can pay somebody else to do it. So you can go focus on finding more properties so that you can eventually get to the point where you have to set up LLC. Boom. All right. So what um you kind of you kind of uh mentioned the um I guess the final recommendation there. Um and it was similar to what I was thinking was especially if it's your first property, focus on that, get all the other things in place that you need to run a business. Um, if you get through all of that and you're like, yeah, I wanna, I'm serious about investing in real estate. Um, what I would, where my brain goes is to sit down, write out almost a business plan that says, here's how I'm gonna get to 10 properties. Here's how I'm gonna find them. Here's how I'm, my strategy to, get them, finance them, manage them, et cetera. And then you could almost take that to your CPA and uh, attorney who actually works practices in real estate, the real estate space and say, okay, what do you think about this? And at what point should I start an LLC? That's what I would do. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do not think for the first 10 properties, you need to have the LLC. I think you need to take advantage of the residential financing, have great insurance, have a great attorney and CPA, and have, build that team around you. And of course, have a great residential realtor who is going to walk you through buying the right property um, based on your goals. I mean, some people are willing to accept for 30 years a very modest cash flow because they know they've got a super safe investment. You know, you look at, we've talked about the 1% rule before. You look at the 1% rule and maybe the property doesn't work with the 1% rule, but you're like, 
I know based on the location, proximity to amenities, school zones, um, you know, the house itself, it's very attractive. It's got features of its own amenities of its own that are really attractive and popular. Um, I'm always going to have a tenant in there. I'm never going to have a vacancy. I'm always going to be able to fill the property. And, you know, maybe it's renting for $1,000 a month and I need to pay 120 for it. Well, that doesn't work based on the 1% rule. But if it's a super safe investment, maybe based on your risk tolerance, that's okay. And 30 years from now, when it's completely paid off, or if you're really diligent, maybe 20 or 25 years from now when it's paid off, you don't have that mortgage and it's all cash flow. And now you have three, four, five, six of those, and that on its own supplements most or all of your income. So real estate is a long game. Very few people in any industry, let alone real estate, get rich quick. That's not what the internet says. I know that's not what the internet says, but this is real life. And uh, in real life, real estate is a long game. It's a long game for your personal residence. You know, you should not be buying and selling a home every few years. The only people that make money doing that are the realtors, which thank you very much. We appreciate it, but I'm going to advise you not to do that. You should be owning your home for at least seven to 10 years um, and ideally longer. You know, in previous generations, people would own two to three homes in their entire life. They typically owned a starter home. Then they owned a house that they would live in for 20 or 30 years. And then maybe they owned a home that they would downsize into at the end of their life. They weren't buying and selling every three to five years. Now, the economy was different. People weren't moving as much. The economy didn't allow for as much mobility. Um, So there were other reasons behind that. But as much as possible, you should be seeking to own real estate long term. And that's seven to 10 years or longer. And if you have that in mind, and you think, I'm looking towards my future, and even my children's or my grandchildren's future, then real estate is going to be very profitable. And it's a great way to, to create wealth. But you got to have the long game in view. You can't be thinking about buying and selling every couple of years. It's is this going to be a good investment for the next 30 years? Anything else for the mailbag? Anything else for mailbag? Kendall and thank you. We appreciate the question and uh, giving us this topic. So we hope that's helpful. And uh, hopefully the next rental property you buy, you will hand it over to Holland and pick help manage for you. No pressure. All right.